0: You're listening to the Public Health Epidemiology Careers Podcast, Episode 154. Welcome to the Public Health Epidemiology Careers Podcast, where we explore public health epidemiology careers
1: and share tips and strategies to help you enter or transition into the field. And now your host, Dr. Charlotte Hughes-Huntley.
0: Greetings, everyone, and thank you for joining me on this episode. In this episode, I have two guests joining me, and they have a lot to share with you. You'll meet Tommy Ghost Dog and Selena McRae and hear about their journeys into public health. You'll also learn about the Northwest Tribal Epidemiology Center, which is just one of 12 partner tribal epidemiology centers funded by the Indian Health Services Division of Epidemiology and Disease Prevention to assist in improving the health of American Indians and Alaska Natives throughout the United States. This episode is part of a special sponsored series of episodes. You'll learn about the tribal epidemiology centers through my interviews with Public health professionals working with the community at each of the centers. Links to the Northwest Tribal Epidemiology Center featured in this episode can be found on the show notes page, and I'll tell you how to locate that information after the interview. Now, here's just a little bit more about the Northwest Tribal Epidemiology Center. The mission of the EPICENTER is to collaborate with Northwest American Indian tribes to provide health related research, surveillance, training, and technical assistance to improve the quality of life of American Indians and Alaska Natives. The epicenter serves 43 federally recognized tribes in Idaho, Oregon, and Washington. Now, here's a little bit more about Tommy Ghost Dog. Thomas Lee Ghost Dog Jr., Burns Paiute, Oglala Lakota, is the project coordinator for We Are Native at the Northwest Portland Area Indian Health Board in Portland, Oregon. He assists with several adolescent health promotion projects, including Native Voices, Native, It's Your Game, and We Are Native. He manages We Are Natives monthly contests, community service mini grants, requests for gear, and shepherds 130 Native American Ambassadors. Tommy blends his own personal life experiences growing up on the Burns Paiute Reservation into his work. He's loaded with personality. You're really going to enjoy the interview. Let's connect that interview now with Tommy. All right. Well, today I'm excited to introduce you to my guest, Thomas Lee Ghost Dog Jr. So it goes by Tommy. So Tommy, welcome to the podcast.
2: Thank you for having me. I'm excited to have this opportunity to talk from public health. should be fun.
0: Oh, yeah. I really appreciate you taking some time. So let's jump right in. Why don't you just take a moment and tell us a little bit about your background?
2: So my name is Thomas Lee Ghostb Jr. I'm an enrolled member of the Burns Paiute Tribe, which is located in southeast Oregon, eastern Oregon. A lot of people still don't really know where that is. So if you've ever been to Oregon and you've been to Bend, Oregon, which is like central Oregon, it's two hours southeast of that. So um, we're a pretty small tribe, 250 enrolled members. Um, that's where my mom's from. That's where I grew up, but I'm also Oglala Lakota on my dad's side. Um, my parents were Twyla Teeman out of Burns, Oregon and Duck Valley, Owyhee, Oregon. And her parents were the late Merlin Thacker and Ross Teeman from Duck Valley, Owyhee, Oregon, the reservation over there. My father is Thomas Lee Ghost Dog Sr. Um, And his parents were the late George Ghost Dog and Virginia Brownears out of Pine Ridge, South Dakota, the Porgy Pine District. So that's a little bit about my family, um, where I come from, who I am. And yeah, I work at the Northwest Portland Area Indian Health Board. um, And my official title there is the We Are Native Project Coordinator
0: that's a great introduction. I really appreciate that. I love the rich cultural background, the connections with your heritage. I really appreciate that. So I'm going to ask you, kind of going back a bit, when did you first become interested in public health as a career?
2: Yeah, so for me to fully explain this, there's a, it's like a little story. It, it's good. Uh, it's not long, but it's it's kind of a, a story to paint the narrative of how I saw or I would Kind of say how I stumbled into public health. So, I was actually I grew up loving sports. I'm a big sports fan. Played a lot of sports. You know, two years of collegiate baseball, and, and you know, sports is my life. Sports was everything, and so I really wanted to work in athletic training or pre therapy um, because I had some pretty significant injuries throughout my sports career. So, you know, I just loved the way that athletic trainers worked with the athletes, and so even you know, that's what I really wanted to do, and so. After playing two years of junior college baseball, I transferred to Oregon State and I enrolled in their pre-therapy athletic training program. And so, you know, I was well on my way to doing that. And part of the, I guess, the prerequisite or back core classes that included the pre-therapy, um, we had to take some other health classes. So I enrolled in public health 101, and I always like to say 101 because a lot of times you know, and I'm just being completely honest here that 101 is kind of those classes where, you know, you, you kind of cruise through and, and you know, it's nothing is one one classes, but they're, you know, they're entry-level courses to really kind of get you interested in a subject and kind of let you know about that topic. And so back then I sat in the back of the class, I kind of slouched and I was like, you know, I'm going to get this A and I'm going to move on and take courses towards pre-therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was sitting in class one day and being Native American, you know, when you hear any Native Americans being mentioned, um, well, and I come to find out, you know, with public health, it's American Indians, Alaska Natives is the politically correct, I guess you could say. So when I heard that, you know, I kind of leaned up in my chair and, you know, my ears perked up and because they're talking about Natives. And so I was like, all right, you know, let me see what they what they have to say. And then, you know, public health 101. So they started reading these statistics um, and the statistics were, not what I was looking forward to. It was Alaska Natives, American Indians lead diabetes rates. Um, they're the the leading uh, race within, you know, the cardiovascular disease, you know, and in going into suicide prevention. And so, you know, ever since then, I was just like, you know, why, why is that? How come, you know, American Indians, Alaska Natives are, are so into that? And so after that day, I was in the front row fully engaging and, you know, speaking on a perspective of what I know and what I grew up. And so, you know, I was super engaged and going through this 101 class. It was like one of my favorite classes because I was introduced to a lot of terms that I never knew technically, but I knew and had seen growing up and, you know, I learned about prevention. Um, and so, you know, after that, it just clicked in my head. And, you know, if we have a lot of these issues within the Native American communities, why not work to preventing it rather than, you know, spending a lot of money on direct care, which is super important, you know, don't get me wrong in in that sense. But to me, in my head, it was like, you know, we can prevent a lot of this if we just work on those programs, work, you know, with the tribes and and work with communities on, you know, trying to prevent a lot of this, a lot of these negative statistics. And so, you know, after that, um, and I still remember, I, I, I called my mom and I told her I was switching majors. Um, and i'm sure as a mother all the mothers out there she was like what you know what do you mean you're switching majors and <laughs> you know cuz i was about probably 65 to 70% complete with my pre therapy and you know i was like well mom i i like public health you know public health i think i i can make an impact there and so she was like oh okay cuz my mother Twilight the team and she was the health director um, at our little tribal clinic in burns so she you know definitely knew the public health. And so she was super happy for me. And luckily at the time, Oregon State, the School of Public Health was within um, the pre-therapy. So a lot of my classes transferred and um, I wasn't set back too far. So she was definitely happy about that. But yeah, that's kind of the, the story, the narrative of how I became interested in public health and as a career. And I will say real quick, I graduated with a public health degree, right? And I was a wildland firefighter. For about six years during the summer to make money um to pay for school and after I graduated, I kind of wanted to to relax and and kind of be that you know fresh college grad that goes home and kind of sleeps on his mom's couch and um <laughs> you know make some money and and just kind of relax but I had schooling you know since I was in elementary, and uh, my mom being the health director at our tribal clinic she she got a lot of emails from the Northwest portland area indian health board and so Uh, assistant job with We Are Native came up and she's like, you know, try this, do this, you know, you you need to at least try. And I'm like, no, I'm good. I just want to make money and, um, you know, save it up and find out what I want to do. And she finally convinced me to come up to Portland and interview because of my brother. I wanted to visit my brother up here. And so I went in the interview and I was just honest and um, you know, I kind of was fresh out of college, so I, I brought my resume in and, you know, what I learned from uh, our interviewing class. Right. Um, and, you know, I just went in that interview and I was just honest. Um, I ended up getting the position of the Project Red Town assistant, what it was back then in 2014. And the rest is kind of history. You know, I love what I do. I work with a lot of youth and young adults. And I like to say I have an advantage because I was a youth and a young adult you know, I'm getting over the young adult part, but you know, I'm I I was a, our target population. Um so I'm I'm working with kids that I see a lot of me in when I was younger um and trying to steer them, you know, in a path that's both healthy and making good decisions. So sorry for the it was little longer story, but you know, I think it's important to tell because it goes into what we'll be talking about is, you know, I found my calling my junior year when I was seventy percent done with college and probably one of the best decisions I've made so far. So that's how I kind of fell into public health.
0: I think it's a great story. I'm giggling, I'm smiling. Uh, I think it's a great story. I mean, so many people spend so much of their career trying to find their passion, trying to find that connection. So you're so fortunate to have found it, even though you feel like it was kind of late in terms of your Educational track, you had to pivot about 65% of the way in, but you're still so far ahead of a lot of people in terms of really being able to connect with your passion, you know, the group you care about. And I think a lot of, you know, you walking into that position, that interview, you know, maybe some of those tips and tricks that you learned about, you know, what to do in an interview fresh out of college, but. Really, a lot of it had to do with you being honest and connecting with your passion. I'm sure they really appreciated that story and your connection and to the population. Not only you know being a part of that demographic, but your background. So very powerful story. Thank you so much for sharing. I really appreciate that. That really does bring a lot into context.
2: Yeah, of course. you know, it was super scary. Um, you know, it wasn't a decision made overnight because you can imagine just the anticipation of telling my mom. You know. Um switching majors. And, you know, I think we're taught that, you know, we need to go to college after high school and we need to be done in four years. Um, and then we need to start interviewing. And, you know, I think once that's so ingrained, it becomes so scary about, you know, switch majors. And I was expecting like, you know, someone to pop out of nowhere, you know, kind of like a movie scene where everyone's like, Oh, oh you know, like, Oh, it's going to be bad. But it was like, Oh, that's it. I said to go in and talk to an advisor and, you know, officially switched my major that then, you know, went on my way and enrolled in classes that were super engaging. And I was part of the discussions because I was from one of those ethnicities that don't get a lot of representation. So it was scary, but it was worth it. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. So tell me a bit more about your current work. Describe what you're doing now. You, You mentioned the title, but tell me a bit more about what you're doing.
2: So, I am the We Are Native project coordinator. And so, at the health board, and just moving forward, NPIHP, Northwest Portland Area Health Board, it's like a mouthful to say. So, if I say the health board, that's what I'm referring to. Okay. Um, so, the health board, we house a lot of different projects. And one of those projects is uh, used to be Project Red Town, but it's kind of shifting. So, it's a STD, HIV, initiative that was first started with the Secretary Minorities Initiative. And so it was looking at kind of sexual health within the adolescence of the Northwest. Um, But at the health board, we work for the tribes, so the 43 tribes. And in doing so, they were like, we need to reach youth uh, where they're at, you know, get the messaging to youth. And at the time, I think it was through MySpace and my supervisor, Dr. Stephanie Craig-Rushing, Um, she's a super smart woman, super caring and, you know, just all around amazing. And she knew that, and she started, you know, doing focus groups, did the process and what came out of it was we are native, which was, is a website that is tailored to native American youth and young adults. Um, I like to say it's a web MD, but for native youth and less scary, easier to navigate. And it kind of pertains to them. Um, but also, you know, really ties in a culture piece, um, a community piece. So if you have a chance, anyone listening out there, if you just go to wearenative.org, uh, it's a really cool and neat website. Um, and you can really honestly get lost in it and looking through the, the different categories we have, of you know, physical health, mental health, sexual health. So part of the website is, you know, the messaging piece and getting it out there. So we knew our goal is to to really reach our audience where they're at, which is technology, Um, you know, technology is constantly evolving. And so what we try to do is constantly evolve with it to try to get messaging out there to these, these native youth and young adults. And our age range is usually about 13 to 24. So anything technology, like right now, we are even looking into a TikTok to get health messaging out, you know, and we feel like we're constantly almost like three steps behind, but it's worth it. Um, You know, once you reach your audience with the content that you're trying to push. So I work with a team of about nine. Um, We have an awesome team that all works on the health messaging. So I help out with the social media platforms, but I also help with our youth ambassador program. Um, At We Are Native, we have an ambassador program where we select um, 12 youth from across the U.S. and we we give them some leadership skills, show them We Are Native and how they can utilize We Are Native as a resource. And then one time comes, they go out into their own communities and share the resources. But we also send them to big national events uh, that they can help promote We Are Native in a positive way. So at the health board, our, our We Are Native team, we wear many hats. So I think that's the best I can do because I can talk forever about the work we're we're constantly doing.
0: Yeah, what a fascinating program. I really like that. So. The ambassadors, like for example, would um, what are some of the places that your ambassadors would go out to? They go to schools, like school groups.
2: Yeah, so it varies. You know, definitely helps. fairs, the school events. We'll send them a box of We Are Native materials, and you know, say, "Can you do a booth for us?" And they're like, "Yeah, sure." You know, and so they'll they'll have a booth at a school event, and they'll pass out our promos. We have a lot of um, cool gear that we have within. We are Native. Um, If you get a chance, like I said, go to our website. You can see our logo um, is very, I love it. The color schemes in it um, and what it represents. So we have a lot of gear to go along with it. So we send them to definitely the local events, but every year nationally there's different events and organizations who put on big national conferences. So Unity, every year they have a, a youth conference that holds about 2,000 Um, native youth. So we definitely try to make a presence there with different workshops. And, you know, I think what's awesome about our website is that it could be tailored to a lot of health information. So, you know, if there's a suicide prevention conference and the youth are comfortable and willing, you know, and want to go, we help get them there and they hold a booth at an event like that or do a workshop. Um, So there's a lot of things that we like them to do, you know, because we're based here in the Northwest. A lot of times we will get requests that we can't necessarily physically go. But if we have an ambassador in the area, you know, we get them in contact and we make sure that they're well prepared to attend this event, uh, whether it's tabling a booth or putting on a workshop. So um, they're an awesome young bunch of young leaders.
0: Yeah, I like that. I will make sure to provide links in the uh, show notes so that everyone listening can um, check out the website as well. Tommy, I appreciate your stories and everything you're sharing. And um, I have just one more question for you and then we can, we can kind of wrap up. You and I were talking before we started the recording. I was just describing the variety of people who listen to the podcast. Our audience ranges from brand new public health students who are just maybe just taking that public health 101 course, all the way to, you know, graduates who have recently completed a degree and on up to professionals who've been in the field for quite a while, but maybe they've worked in one part of public health and are just really enjoying listening to the different areas uh, that my guests, you know, work in public health, or maybe they're thinking of transitioning to something different. So, what I want you to focus on is the students. So students, think about students, current students that have access to all their school materials and their learning, and maybe some recent graduates who are trying to get into the field of public health. What kind of career advice, maybe just a couple of tips that you can share with anyone who's really looking to get into the field of public health?
2: Yeah, of course. So I would say one of the biggest and most important advice or tips that I would say is go into public health with an open mind. So what I mean by this is, is try to understand that all the people and populations, um, the ethnicities, you know, they're not just numbers that you're going to be reading in class. They're not just numbers that you'll be handed a study to, you know, get test questions from, but just understanding and seeing that with an open mind, that they're human beings, that they all have stories and histories that go along with their disparities. So you know, one of those terms that I kept hearing was like health disparities and, you know, really understanding that um, because I've seen a lot of those disparities growing up within my community. So that's the biggest thing, you know, because we all come from a different background and, you know, who we are, where we came from, how we grew up. So just having that open mind and realizing that when you're reading a lot of these studies and, and no matter the population, no matter the race, no matter the ethnicity, that they're all human beings. And, um, a lot of times there's stories, there's rich histories um, that go along in how they ended up there. So just, you know, definitely keep that open mind when you're reading or studying or in that type of context. Um, and then my next one would be make public health work for you and see how your experience, how the way you were raised can complement public health. So, you know, what I mean by make public health work for you as I, as I, you know, took classes and, and started working I realized that there's no right way to do public health. You have to kind of make, um, you know, it's not just a a perfect mold that you take and apply to different communities. Um, You really have to make it for you and and make it so that you understand it and how it works with you. So for example, you know, growing up, I knew these walk runs in my community. I know the significance of them now, but when I was younger, I just wanted t-shirts. So, you know, I definitely... Try to keep that in mind when when we're working with public health and communities to make sure you know we're we're capturing what they want and what they see. So in, in doing that, you're really making public health, like I said, work for you and how you can utilize your experiences because you know you the best, right? And you know your community that you grew up in or the populations that you're going to be serving. Ideally, you have experiences with them, so really try to tailor it to them, but also make sure that it's working for you and then as a community. Let's see, the third one I would, you know, you'll you'll kind of, I think, smile at this, but don't be intimidated by numbers and data. Um, Take a deep breath and relax and and just know that numbers and data are just as important as outreach. Um, So I'll be completely honest again, like my life's an open book. When I took Epi, I was pulling all matters in the the library and barely getting like a B, B minus the numbers in the data, it's, it's super overwhelming. And it was for me, but I kind of just, I had to take a deep breath and really find out the meaning of these numbers. So once I knew the purpose of a study and where these numbers were coming from, I found that it was a lot easier to understand them and work with them. Um, cause like I said, you know, I love to talk. I love interactions with people. So obviously, you know, that's why I chose the health promotion route and not the epi route. Um, but yeah, don't be intimidated by those numbers because Um, Once you get into the public health field, especially with the Native communities, um, you'll learn, you know, how important these numbers are and how data drives funding to get more help and more interventions um, to populations that need it the most. So they're super important. So don't overlook them. And I'll be honest, I did at the very beginning. But now every time I walk by our stats, people, I just say, thank you. You guys are awesome. Keep up the awesome work because, yeah, it's no joke. Epi's tough, but, you know, don't be intimidated by it. And then I would just say, lastly, become familiar with acronyms. There's a lot of acronyms in public health. I think one of the first days that I started working, I was handed like a three-page acronym cheat sheet of all the acronyms and organizations and stuff that we work with. So um, if you can make a cheat sheet yourself, like write down acronyms that you use or hear a lot and look them up because... Um, when you get in the public health world, they'll drop acronyms, like almost like they're kind of rapping. And, and so they're, it's, it's hard to understand them all, you know? And so at first I try to memorize them all, but then I just started writing them down in meetings. Um, and then I would look them up after and I'd be like, oh, okay, that makes sense now. So definitely get familiar with acronyms. Um, even the health board NPIHB, is a mouthful. So, uh, don't be scared of the acronyms, just try to learn them um, and have, have them handy when you're in meetings. And then I got one more. So last one, um, is just think of public health as holistic wellness. And, and what I mean by that is the word holistic is, is really the avenue that we're taking within our organization. Um, cause when I think of public health, I think of a lot of, you know, prevention in that type of sense. But when you think about holistic health and working with people and populations and what you're ultimately trying to do, you're trying to heal them and, and you're trying to work with them to see that their whole, you know, uh, tagline that we are native is, um, we work with the mind, body and the soul. So, you know, your body being kind of more physical, your mind being the mental um, wellness aspect. So um, if you can, and, and I wish I would have learned this sooner is think of public health yeah, as a holistic wellness and a holistic healing type platform. And and that can help you open up different avenues of public health and how you can apply public health in those different avenues. um, If you kind of take that holistic wellness approach.
0: Yeah, those are great tips. Absolutely great tips. I I like them all, but I especially like the one about the cheat sheet for acronyms. That is so true. And from where I sit, and I interview so many different guests from a variety of backgrounds and organizations, I think There are some definite, you know, common ones for public health broadly, but there's some niche-specific ones, like people who come through any of the CDC fellowships or any of those programs, they ramble off acronyms like it's a foreign language. So it's there are so many. I think someone out there listening should start to compile, maybe gather, create a cheat sheet, and uh, if you send it in to me, we'll compile and we'll make one big resource for everybody to be able to take advantage of. I think that's a great idea.
2: Right. Yeah, it was. I'm, I still remember like one of my like my first couple of meetings, every other word said or every other sentence had like six acronyms that are like or sometimes even 10, like 10 deep letters that it's like, you know, oh, we'll be working with um, ABCD, EFG. They're out of, you know, so-and-so. And I'm just sitting there like, holy smokes, what is that? You know, and then you look it up and it's like an awesome organization. Um but yeah, yeah. Uh, a, a cheat sheet in, in the public health world would definitely be appreciated.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I'll see. Maybe some of my listeners will actually get on that. They start say, If you guys actually send that in to me, I promise I will compile it. It will make it available to everyone. And Tommy, I will let you know if anyone does.
2: <laughs> yeah, please do, because I'll probably have more to add to that. <laughs>
0: Well, I appreciate you for taking the time and you know chatting with me, sharing so much about your background and about all that you're doing, and uh, I just I, I just really appreciate. It. I know my audience does as well, so thank you so
2: much. Yeah, thank you for having me, and I appreciate all that you're doing, and you know getting all walks of life on this podcast. I think it's really awesome. So, thank you for thinking of the Tribal Epicenter in Portland and our organization, and we are Native. So. I really appreciate that.
0: Now, I'd like to introduce you to my second guest, Selena McCray. Selena is a tribal member of the Navajo Nation. Her clans are the Bitter Water People and Mountain Cove People. Selena serves as the Thrive and Washington Department of Health Parenting Teens Project Coordinator at Northwest Tribal Epidemiology Center with the Northwest Portland Area Indian Health Board. She provides suicide prevention training technical assistance and develops culturally appropriate media campaigns and resources related to suicide prevention. She also assists Adolescent Health Project staff with We Are Native, the national multimedia health resource for Native teens and young adults. Let's connect that interview now with Selena. All right, I'm excited to welcome my guest on this episode who is Selena McCrae. Selena, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: It's my pleasure. I really want to jump in. So if you don't mind, please tell us a little bit about your background.
1: Awesome. Thank you. Uh, Yes. My name is Selena McCray. I am a member of the Navajo Nation. I'm originally from Vicente, New Mexico. It's a small rural community um, located on the eastern part of the Navajo reservation. And I currently... Live here in Portland, Oregon, working with one of the many tribal epidemiology centers across the nation at the Northwest Portland Area Indian Health Board. Um, but I also like to introduce myself in my Navajo language. Um, I'm of the Bitterwater people, Amy, and I'm born for which is a tower, uh, the Mountain Cove Clan. And I'm also Tango Clan, and then also Kiaani, which is the Towering House Clan. So I, um, that's how I properly introduce myself as a, a Navajo woman.
0: I love the cultural lessons that I'm picking up through these interviews. I think that's fascinating to me. It's one of the biggest perks of being in my position right now, being able to interview. So thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. Let's move in to, um, this is one of my favorite questions to ask. and I'd really like to know, when did you first become interested in public health as a career?
1: Yeah, this is an exciting question. So it really all started being exposed to my local Indian Health Service healthcare facility, which really pushed me to move into public health. And really, you know, being there in my family, within my community and with my family and uh, my relationship with the Navajo people, it was really just an eye-opening experience. So at first, I was really interested in going into dental medicine, and I wanted to be a dental hygienist. I really felt that that was something I wanted to work towards, being about eighth grade, going into high school. And so what really helped me, too, was being exposed to some of the summer youth employment activities there in this community, which had me pick up the opportunity there at the local Clinic. What I really did was shadow people, looked at how the health care facility operated. And one of the highlights was really working in the HPDP department, so that's Health Promotion and Disease Prevention department. And that's where they really did these community outreach events and activities, from community fun runs to creating flyers and different campaigns, changing health behavior. And so I thought it was really cool because I mean it looked fun, you know. They were out there, they were engaging with people. But the cool thing about it too what it was like it just made people come together. You know, living in a small rural area, you would never see, you know, these folks come together if it was a different event. But to come together and be a united community like that, which is awesome to see in my young eyes. And so as I continued to pursue into my undergrad, I started to learn more about public health. I started to learn more deep into you know, looking at population health versus just the individual health. And that's what made me look at a more holistic approach. That was made me look at things in a larger lens. And so I knew that it was best to, you know, help people at a wider range like that versus doing an individual. And because of that too, that the cultural significance about being in a community like that is that we as native people are relational people. Everybody in that community was somehow related to me, whether that was a different relative or a clans, just like how I introduced myself in Navajo way. But, you know, that was my family there. That was my people. And, you know, it was great to know that if we had this overall health approach with everybody, you know, there would be better health outcomes, better life choices. And so that's when I knew that, you know, I had to shift in that direction And again, having those little summer opportunities when I was younger um, and being exposed at a young age has really shaped my my vision of what I wanted to do further down. So it was a really, really awesome eye-opening experience. Hmm, I love that. Well, I know it makes
0: a difference, you know, even now because so many people that I work with and do a lot of career coaching and uh, I really talk about finding that connection with the people you care most about you know the causes that you're passionate about mm-hmm. so that your work is you know feels a whole lot less like work and you really enjoy and it's a rewarding experience your career is really about serving and so to have that kind of connection early on and i'm sure that has really impacted your career journey
1: mhm yeah in so many ways and it's so exciting to move further further with that
0: so tell me more about the work that you're currently doing can you describe your current work, you know, with the Tech Center?
1: Yeah, so at the Northwest Portland Area Indian Health Board, um, I'll refer them to as NPAIHB, so uh, one of the acronyms in the group. We currently are led by the 43 members, tribal members in Washington, Idaho, and Oregon. And so with this board of tribal delegates and our executive committee, we have a wide range of different health programs, um, health promotion and prevention programs. We also have a variety of different organizational structures. So my role is under the health promotion department, and I serve as a project coordinator as the suicide prevention project coordinator, with, which is our THRIVE project. And THRIVE stands for Tribal Health Reaching Out Involves Everyone. And then i also a project coordinator for the Washington State Department of Health Parenting Teens Project. And so what I do is um, with these two projects is provide services to the federally recognized tribes in Washington, Idaho, and Oregon uh, with the 43. And I provide suicide prevention and uh, intervention training. So one of our most popular one is QPR, question per refer, and also applied suicide intervention skills training, which is a fifth. And then also um, really utilizing community-based participatory research or formative research to create culturally appropriate social marketing campaigns with the community and then also with areas focusing on suicide prevention and teen pregnancy and then also really providing technical assistance to the tribes. So whether that's uh, different funding sources, uh, maybe they need some connections and networking, also looking for opportunities and trainings and enhancing their skills development in their tribes. And then also, another area too that is highly requested is culturally appropriate materials. So, even though there's a great list of information of public health programs and interventions and postvention things, you know, one of the really important things is what is out there to help the tribes really help their communities with a really holistic and cultural lens. And the great thing about that too is not only is that work guided within our different projects. But also what really helps us guide the work with the tribes is um, we have a strategic plan with the health board and their delegates, which helps us um, prioritize and really organize our values and our missions and which direction we need to go. So it's really working with them to help them better serve their communities. It sounds like so much. I mean, I know it's very intense and very
0: involved, um, but there's just so, it almost sounds like there's multiple jobs in that one description you provided. There is so much to be done there. Um, One thing I want to ask about that kind of stood out to me was you mentioned one of your roles in providing suicide prevention intervention training using this community-based you know, research approach. So you're working with the community to develop culturally appropriate social media campaigns for suicide prevention and teen pregnancy. So you mentioned that, you know, there's a challenge for this culturally appropriate, you know, finding the materials and so forth, marketing materials, which I know that that is a challenge. Within the black community, for example, and I've heard mm-hmm. so many people have that discussion recently, just really finding culturally appropriate material for the campaigns. So, can you just tell me, give me an example of how you are all approaching this challenge?
1: Yeah, so I think, you know, really it's definitely like the foundations of public health and using those skill sets. You know, clearly some of these methods are. Eurocentric, but you know the great thing about working in public health as a tribal member or diverse background is that you know there's opportunity for adaptation. So when we go into the communities, you know one of the foundational steps is you know you want to assess, and then also develop, and then um, you want to implement, and then also evaluate. So going into the communities, there's always an extra step when using a model like that. You know you want to create and form partnerships, even though, um, like myself, you know, one of the things going into working in this region is even though I'm Navajo, I'm really not accustomed to some of the, the Pacific Northwest culture here. So it's really interesting to, to be familiar as a public health professional going into working with tribal communities not and for tribal communities is understanding, you know, your positionality, who you are and where you come from. And then forming those partnerships and creating that trust, building that trust is really a step before the assessment, because, you know, working in public health that many may know or many may not know is, you know, there's a long history of some of the discrimination of working with tribal communities or people of color. So, you know, you always have to rebuild that in a way. Even working with your own people, you know, there's always a sense of trust and but that's the great thing in of being um, tribal members is that regardless of our cultural background, we still have a common value. We still have our our culture to, to work off of. And again, that we are relational people. So there's different ways of grading. There's different ways of forming those partnerships. So starting with that first step is really important to make sure that you have not only the trust of the community, but they also are be able to trust you as well and that you to yourself that you have that you're going in to these communities with a good heart and that you you know you're there for the good reasons of course but that's always something to think back on as you continue to move forward so you know once that has been developed then that's when you continue to work together to knock down some of those barriers and help these tribes adapt to some of these different models and methods that are in public health and, you know, that's the beauty, I think, of having the skills and helping and working and serving these communities is, is a great approach.
0: Yeah. Thank you for, you know, really dissecting that and digging in a little deeper, because I think that sometimes in the rush to produce, you know, for example, if someone wanted to come in and quickly try to produce what they would think I'm using air quotes now culturally appropriate materials
1: mm-hmm. um
0: they can push something out very quickly and think okay this solves a problem but that is not necessarily going to solve the problem you can't you can't break away there's no shortcut Or there's no way to bypass the relationship building, the respect that goes into building the relationships that will last a long time because, you know, they have to trust you. You need to be able to trust them. You need to constantly do that, Mm -hmm. that check to make sure that you're being ethical. You're being sound, almost checking yourself to make sure your intentions are pure and aligned and that you're fostering these, you know, really um, authentic relationships so that What you build together with the community is then Mm -hmm. going to be something that will be culturally representative or relevant, not just something somebody can come in and in 30 seconds click a button and, and spit out. So sometimes you have to take those quick fixes to get started with materials, but you know, the really rich, really impactful pieces that you create with the community come after some effort has been put into place with, you know, building those relationships. So Mm -hmm. there's no, uh, I guess my big takeaway from all that is there's no shortcut to building good, solid, authentic relationships when you're working with a community.
1: Absolutely. And yeah, you hit the right on the nail and, um, you know, talking about these community-based participatory research and these different models, you know, it's usually moving into more of these qualitative research approaches. So, going into moving with some of that too is that we as Native people we have a different level of commitment and responsibility to our tribal communities because of that. There's this extra layer and extra work of having to ensure that you know we have to be mindful as researchers or people in public health of our reflexive processes our access to power and our privilege even as Native people um, working with our own tribal communities or other tribal communities, so it's just so you know very important about you know and it's definitely a foundation of public health to formalize and build collaboration and partnerships. yeah, thank you for that. That's a deep dive and and we digress
0: just a little bit, but not really because it's very relative to what we were talking <laughs> about so <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna ask you one more question because I really enjoy the conversation. And I really appreciate mm-hmm. you being here and sharing. I want to address some members of my audience because we have a a very mixed group. We have a lot of students, graduates, we've got professionals of all levels. But I just want to think about the students and graduates for a moment. They're trying to get into careers in public health. And, you know, there could be the very early stages of career and they could still have access to all the materials of their institution, their school, or they could be graduates that are, you know, just removed from those school resources, but are still trying to get into the career field. So I'd like for you to just kind of share a few tips, um, pieces of advice for anyone that fits that category, those that are trying to get into or interested in careers in public health.
1: Yeah, this is a really good question. Um, So we'll start with number one. I think one of the great things is Even as a newly graduate, you have so much drive and so much passion that you have all these tools, you have your own experience, and you're ready to hit the world. So one of my first tips is to seek experience in terms of what is available. I've been in contact with some of my own colleagues and peers with the School of Public Health who actually just to themselves have finished their graduate degree in master's of public health. And they had to start with these entry level jobs, whether it was, you know, organizing, um, even as simple as being uh, organizing focus groups or more, um, you know, creating social marketing campaigns, social media messaging, just real entry level. But, you know, it's a blessing in disguise because, you know, grasp what you can because there's still opportunity for internal growth within this organization that you're working for. Whether you're working for our nonprofit organization or a different organization, there's always going to be a round of funding coming through or at the end of a certain fiscal year or things like that. So I would highly recommend to not be discouraged, you know, if uh, maybe there's an epidemiology project position that you're really excited for or there is a project manager position working in the specific domain that you're interested you know, and I would just recommend at this time, it's okay to start from the bottom and work your way up. Um, I've been seeing a lot of people do that so far, and it's been really successful for them. And, you know, they also have some really great experience coming out of that in a good and positive light. So uh, that's um, definitely one one tip. And then also, I think folks who are interested in going into a master's program, one thing I would recommend too is also seek experience and mentorship. So if you maybe you want to are interested in grad school within the next year or two, take the opportunity to explore areas that you may be uncomfortable with. I say this because back when I was finishing with my undergraduate degree, I had opportunity to work with the Navajo Nation Legislative Office. So the Navajo Nation Council is a legislative oversight and within the Navajo Nation. Um, I was really exposed to a world-rounded policy development and implication as it related to public health initiatives. I was really intimidated because I did not have experience like this before. I come back from a community health education background, so educating folks on different areas within public health. But this was a whole new world for me. But honestly, it was really impactful. I got to see why growing up as a young kid, like how come they didn't have a sports gym in our community? You know, a lot of people are asking about it. But then you then see in reality that these funding streams, the different partnerships at the federal level, tribal sovereignty and how that connects and works together, some of the different committees and things like that, it all rolls out together and it makes sense. Um, That really actually helped me, too, um, with my personality statements and my resumes and getting to grad school. So that's one thing I would highly recommend. And then within these experiences, too, you will definitely gain mentorship. People will totally take you under your wing and will help you and guide you to get to those areas. And I am so thankful for folks who had taken the time to mentor me and help me prepare for grad school. And then also throughout grad school, I still am in contact with these people and they have helped me and supported me so much through this process. So, you know, I think it's just in public health, you know, you have the opportunity to speak out and speak up and especially seeking advice and seeking that type of uh, mentorship is really, really helpful. I do have three more. Um, one is be ready for adaptation. Um, if you're working in different tribal communities, coming from, you know, a tribal perspective is that when you have these foundational public health skills, it's great to adapt into the community that you're working with. And then also share your story. Um, Maybe you have sat through classes or maybe you're in a position where, you know, your story is so unique and that some of your peers and your colleagues might not even relate to your experiences. And you have the opportunity to help them and expose them that of what's really happening and why there's these different health disparities, why there's these different health inequities. So feel free to speak up, and you have a powerful voice, and I highly encourage you to use it. And then lastly, it's okay to not have a specific area of emphasis, whether it's, you know, going into different, um, even your career path. If you are still unsure that you want to focus maybe on a specific topic such as um, sexual health or suicide prevention or going into data literacy or anything like that, you know, it's okay because that is something that you will develop along the way um, with these different areas that you're going into, um, whether it's the different health careers or even going back to school. You know, lo and behold, maybe you might have an awesome experience and want to become a researcher. You know, there's, it's okay to not have all your stuff together at this time and that's why again it's great to talk to your mentors it's great to talk to your other peers and colleagues and also reaching out to folks who maybe have been down this path also you know these podcasts is, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know it's just hearing people's different experiences it's totally going to open a whole new world for you um and it again it's just also on you to be able to go out there and look for that information and i'm so sure you guys are all driven right now and really. You know, eager to learn. Um, you know, and and these opportunities, they'll come with that amount of work that you put in.
0: Oh, excellent, excellent advice. I really appreciate you sharing that, and I agree. I, I think that everything you said is absolutely spot on. And there's so much reinforcement because, you know, like you said, it's okay not to know the area of emphasis right now, but also that emerges as mm-hmm. you seek experiences, get involved, because by going through those processes, especially with some of those entry-level positions, you really start to Discover and understand what you're drawn to, what you're attracted to, and what you don't like so much. So great, great, great advice. And also remembering to share your story. I think that goes a long way with kind of representing who you are. But the more you share your story, the more you articulate it, the more confident and clear you become on speaking and talking about what you do and what you like and what you understand. So great advice. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm going to wrap up here because this has been filled with information. I thank you so much, Selena, for coming on the podcast, for taking time to answer my questions and for sharing so much of your, your background, your experience, your knowledge, insights. So I really, really appreciate you for being here.
1: Yes. Thank you for having me. And I'm so excited. I wish everybody luck out there. You, you can do it. Believe in yourself. We believe in you. I believe in you. You know, the, the road's out there for you.
0: I'd like to thank Tommy and Salita for coming on the podcast, sharing their work with the Northwest Tribal Epidemiology Center, and for sharing those great career tips and advice for everyone. If you would like to learn more about the Tribal Epidemiology Centers and the Northwest Tribal Epidemiology Center specifically, then just visit the show notes page for this episode, which is episode 154. Go directly to drchhuntley.com and click on podcast tab from the main menu. And from there, just navigate to episode 154. Remember to subscribe to the podcast so that you can be among the first to hear the very latest episodes as soon as they are released. So you can find links to subscribe to the podcast from the homepage of my website, drchhuntley.com. All right, everyone. Until next time, have a fantastic rest of your day. Thank you for listening to the Public Health Epidemiology Careers Podcast at drchuntley.com.